Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. myself in a peculiar mood tonight and i'm not quite sure what's going to come of it in terms of show content but uh, there's probably going to be some rants <laughs> there's probably going to be some rants i can pretty much guarantee you that you know as i look through the headlines from over the weekend and a couple that we're holding over from last week because you know last week was dominated by our coverage of reaction to the verdict in the Geronimo Yanez case. So, you know, a lot of things that I had otherwise planned on talking about last week, we never quite got to. A couple of them are making their way here to Monday if we manage to come across them. But as I look through these headlines, you know, I just kind of find myself in this. Every once in a while I get in these strange moods when I'm prepping for a show where I, I, I think to myself, why why does this thing that I want to say in response to this story have to be said? Like, why does a guy like me have to go on the radio and make a point to say this thing that, to my mind, ought to be really obvious and should just be common sense? Like, I don't understand the necessity for commentary on something like, you know, the Supreme Court coming down or, or taking on this case um, that we're going to get to eventually here, probably in the 10 o'clock hour, uh, deciding whether or not same-sex couples ought to be able to force people into relationships, basically, to force people into transactions. Do I really need to explain why that's fundamentally morally you know, repugnant? Do I have to break it down? Do I have to detail it? Shouldn't we just know as a society that's supposedly based upon the concept of individual rights and self-ownership and uh, personal autonomy that you don't get to force other people to enter into relationships? How is that controversial? Yet it is. And uh, many of our stories tonight that we're going to discuss kind of fall on that same line. You know, probably the thing that's got me most in the mood that I'm in is just the latest ongoing coverage of the Senate Republicans' efforts to repeal and replace Obamacare. The CBO came out with their score, and we're going we're gonna to get into what they said and what the implications are, what, what's happening in the political discourse but for me, it's it sounds like a broken record in my own head. Of the, the, I have the same thing to say about this that I've had to say about it all along. Ever since the House first attempted to pass their first version of the bill, which was not a repeal of Obamacare. It's all predicated on a fundamentally flawed premise that is go going to doom Republicans to political failure and, and the nation to policy failure and fiscal failure. And it's all... Uh, Quite depressing, actually, to tell you the truth. We'll get into exactly why as we move forward here. This is Closing Argument. My name is Walter Hudson. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM. We're here 9 to 11 weeknights, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com, and your iHeartRadio app, two ways to stream the program. You can catch up with the podcasts at Spreaker.com or the Spreaker app on your phone. And I'm telling you, you know, this is a transition that we made over late last week to moving all of the, the companies podcast feeds over to Spreaker 
and I've been playing with the app over the weekend, and I've already discovered a handful of podcasts that I didn't even know about before that are really intriguing. So it's a, it's a nice portal into all sorts of content. Uh, our show included, all the shows here at Twin Cities News Talk are available on Spreaker and easily accessible, easily organized. Within minutes, you're listening to what you want to listen to and discovering things that are similar to it. So I would check that out, Spreaker.com, 651-989-5855, the number to join us this evening. I want to start our consideration. I am, by the way, we are anticipating that we're going to get a phone call from Janae Brooks, who's the building manager in St. Paul, who has uh, had a bit of a standoff with the city of St. Paul regarding her decision to close her building's Skyway access at 8 p.m., despite the city's requirement that it be open until 2 a.m., and she, as a result of having had access to her building available until 2 a.m. in the past, has had to deal with a number of horrendous consequences involving vagrancy and vandalism and criminal activity taking place in her building. And so, you know, she's she's decided that she is going to prevent that by the novel action of locking the door. But the city of St. Paul won't have it. So hopefully we'll hear from her at some point here in the not too distant future sometime over the course of the show to, to get her account and find out uh, how her civil disobedience is progressing because she's pledged that she's not going to comply with the city's decision to force her to remain open past 8 p.m. Until we wait for that, and before we get into these other headlines, I want to start off tonight with just a, a consideration of the state of the media, where we are with journalism here in the United States of America and worldwide, but you know, most specifically here in the United States. There's a piece over at Politico. The headline is Goodbye Nonpartisan Journalism and Good Riddance. And as that headline implies, the author makes the case that really we we shouldn't aspire to objective journalism. It's not a, it's not a good thing to pretend as though there's there's some way to quote unquote play it down the middle. And uh, we're, we're going to go through this a little bit. But before we do, I just want to kind of throw this question out there for you. What are you looking for from your media? What are you looking for when you when you go to a, open a newspaper or turn on a broadcast or flip to your cable news channel? What is it? ideally that you're hoping to consume by going to that source? What, what, what kind of value are you seeking when you open your newspaper? It's a question worth asking because certainly there's no end of outlets out there that are proceeding under the guise of journalism, under the guise of news, that are very clearly offering perspective, very clearly offering commentary. You know, here on this program, obviously it's commentary. It's conservative talk radio. We're not shy about that. We make no apology for it. Neither are we pretending that we're on some sort of journalistic quest to provide the objective, factual uh, report of a, of a particular situation without any commentary. That would be a very different kind of show, a very different kind of programming. But we're out in, out in the open about that. There are a lot of sources that claim to be news that do the exact same thing we do, but call themselves news, call themselves journalism. So, you know, what's the effect of that? And is that good? Is this author correct at Politico when he says that nonpartisan journalism is gone and that that's a good thing? Good riddance, he says. Well, let's consider here. He writes, we don't yet know to what extent Donald Trump will succeed in remaking the United States. But his candidacy and presidency are already remaking American journalism. It is not just that the ranting and raving on talk radio and cable news and websites on Twitter have grown. 
if anything, louder. What's more significant is how the political world's encounter with Trump is changing our most respected journalism organizations, including the New York Times, the Washington Post, the network Evening Newscasts, and CNN. Yes, we have seen a new and welcome burst of investigative journalism at many of these news organs, as reporters have at the new administration's generous supply of scandals and uh, sort through an outraged bureaucracy's abundant leaks about those scandals. But bursts of investigation come and go. The big news in American journalism today has been that reporters, editors, and producers at legacy journalism organizations have become so eager to dispute the more questionable pronouncements and proposals of the Trump administration, increasingly they are prepared to label the president's wilder statements and tweets falsehoods or even lies. The big news is that many of our best journalists seem in news coverage not just opinion pieces, but to be moving away from balance and nonpartisanship. The author asked the question, is this the end of all that is good and decent in American journalism? Nah, I say good for them. An abandonment of the pretense to objectivity in many ways, a return to American journalism's roots is long overdue. And then the author goes on to uh, take us through uh, historical examples of journalism that was clearly biased in one form or another, going back even so far as George Washington, who was described by one newspaper as, quote, uh, if ever a nation was debauched by a man, the American nation has been debauched by George Washington. And that, of course, was was at the time. And, and he makes the case that in the 20th century, we had the dawn of what we have typically or traditionally considered to be objective journalism uh, with with a number of folks, the advent of radio, the advent of television, where the the attention was so strictly focused upon a slim number of outlets out of necessity because there was you know one, two, three big networks on any given medium at any given time. And we also had this sense of uh, public air, you know the 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 airwaves being public in nature and therefore, the, the mandate that a certain percentage of airtime be dedicated to the, the public service of providing the news, that that culture, artificially created by government, produced this notion that we ought to, quote, play it down the middle with journalism. And so the, the author's case basically is that that's not, a, that's not where journalism's roots are in this sort of pretense of objectivity, nor is it where it ought to be, that it's a good thing to have a number of different outlets competing with each other in a marketplace of ideas and basically having a perspective, having a bias, having an opinion and letting it all play out. Is that the case? Is that what you want from your journalistic entities? 651-989-5855. Let me give an example of how this is playing out. From the wrap, three CNN employees resign over retracted story on Russia ties. They had to resign on Monday. Thomas Frank, who wrote the story in question, a story that uh, involved a link between President Donald Trump and Russia. Eric. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Mike Blau, an editor in the unit, and Lex Harris, who oversaw the unit, have all left CNN. Their resignations were accepted. 
they were all involved in the story's publication, a network spokesperson said in a statement Monday. On Thursday, CNN investigative reporter Thomas Frank published a report involving an investigation of a Russian investment fund with possible ties to several Trump associates. According to CNN, the internal investigation found that some standard editorial processes were not followed when the article was published. Citing a single unnamed source, the story reported that Congress was investigating a Russian investment fund with ties to Trump officials. CNN explained Monday that these types of stories usually would go through several departments, including fact checkers, journalism standards experts, and lawyers. But the network says there was a breakdown in editorial workflow, which disturbed the CNN executives who learned about it. In other words, the folks involved in publishing the story decided they were so eager to score a point against Trump that they just did it without going through the normal process. Continuing at the wrap, the network's investigative unit was told during a meeting on Monday that the retraction did not necessarily mean the facts of the story were wrong, but rather the story wasn't solid enough to publish as is, according to one of the people briefed on the investigation. The story, which only appeared on the network's site, was quickly disputed on Friday as one of the people mentioned in the story, Trump ally Anthony uh, Scaramucci, told, took issue with Frank's reporting, insisting he did nothing wrong. Once it was determined that editorial processes were not followed, CNN deleted the story from CNN.com, the network said Friday on its site. Soon thereafter, the story was officially retracted and replaced with an editor's note. The piece did not meet CNN's editorial standards and has been retracted, the note said. Links to the story have been disabled. Uh, later on uh, in, in the article, it questions, you know, they basically plead ignorance as to what the possible motivation was for ignoring editorial standards. Do we need to wonder? Do we, are, are any of us genuinely surprised by the fact that editorial standards were thrown out the window over at CNN? And indeed, is this the first time or even the first time in a relatively short period of time that this has occurred at CNN, The Washington Post, The New York Times? Pick your poison. All of the outlets have lowered their journalistic standards in terms of what they're willing to publish and, and what they're willing to, to consider to be a news story, the amount of checking and, and the, also just the relevance of it, right? You know, you have – we had an example. I can't quite remember it off the top of my head, but it was something really innocuous. Here's, here's one for you. That story that was going around about Donald Trump and the ice cream. Right. Like he had at some event, he had two scoops of ice cream and everybody else had one. That was a news story. What's newsworthy about that? Anything? W what about that event has any impact or effect whatsoever upon your life or the lives of anyone anywhere that's worthy of being taking up space in a newspaper or on a news outlet? We know the answer. These standards have been lowered as, and it's clearly politically motivated and that has an effect upon the overall credibility of the institution of the media we'll continue uh, analyzing that and get into some of our other headlines when we come back we've got janae brooks on the line to talk about uh, her standoff with the city of st paul over skyway access to a private building this is closing argument my name is walter hudson twin cities news talk am 11 fm It's pretty hilarious, you know, as we've mentioned a number of times on the program before, we have a television that plays in studio on mute, of course, 
And uh, it's usually on Fox News Channel. Last week, somebody was playing a prank on us. It was on MSNBC for the whole week. I never bothered to change it. I, I thought it was kind of amusing, actually. And uh, right now, there's there's uh, an interview of Mark Levin going on, and it's got his book in the backdrop, his new book, Rediscovering Americanism. And I swear to God, in he in the interview, he's wearing the exact same outfit that he is on the cover of his book. It looks like one of those, you know, tunnel... Uh, echoing tunnel photos where it just is more and more Levin as you go on and on and on. It's kind of funny. Closing argument. My name is Walter Hudson. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130-1035 FM. Uh, on the line right now, we have Johnne Brooks, who is a building manager from St. Paul, who has had something of a confrontation ongoing with the city of St. Paul. Welcome to the program, Johnne Brooks. Am I getting your name right? Uh, yes, it's Janae. Janae. Great. That's, yep. that's uh, my sister's middle name, by the way. Sweet. Oh, nice. um, so, yeah, so you would have expected me to get it right the first time, <laughs> but at any rate, uh, so tell us your side of the story. Obviously, we've seen and read the reporting in the various outlets regarding um, your your situation with your building and Skyway Access in St. Paul. But let's pretend we don't know any of that and just kind of start from square one. What has been going on uh, in terms of your endeavors to keep your building secure? Um, I've had just numerous uh, homeless vagrants, um, some youth that are, you know, criminal element um, coming to my building after hours, after business hours, I should say. And I was having so much trouble. I contacted the city back in September. I contacted DSI, Department of Safety and Inspections, and said, you know, I, I need some help here. I'm just, I'm being overrun, where every morning I come in and there's somebody sleeping in my lobby. There's and poop everywhere and food and you name it it's drugs there it's just like it's a rampage through my building every day and I spend half my day cleaning up the mess from the night before because of course the cleaning people were there the night before right and it just got to be so bad and so I contacted DSI and they emailed me back politely and just said well sorry there's just really nothing that uh, we can do to help you <laughs> which is absurd oh, I know I'm like, um, okay. So I then I um, at that time I didn't know he could apply for a variance uh -huh. uh, for earlier closing. But um, so I just ended up after this is now this is March. Fast forward to March. I've gone through all winter with this craziness going on every day. I was about to lose tenants. Right. I had four tenants renewing, and they were leaving. Not just leaving my building. Not just leaving. I mean, they're leaving St. Paul. Sure. Because right. they've just had it. Right. It's just ridiculous. Um, you know, during the day, we call the police, we call the Skyway police, or, you know, they come. But as soon as it's after hours, I haven't I haven't had anybody come. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the vagrancy is a level five on the concern level. You know, they answer one, two, three, four before they get to five. And one right. five, yeah, they don't, they don't really come. So which which would be fine if you were allowed to take action on your own to mitigate the problem, but... So, yes, exactly, but um, that just isn't the case. So um, I ended up just closing my doors mm -hmm. because I, I, I felt like I had no other option. I'm trying to keep my tenants safe. Number one priority is safety, is safety of my tenants, and not just my tenants, the people who are actually walking through the Skyway. You know, they're coming down to go to a restaurant or going, you know, to their homes or whatever. Um, I just, it was just not a safe place to be. I was carrying mace in my own building after hours. Right, right. <laughs> Just in 
case because you don't know who's around the next corner. Mm-hmm. And if nobody's coming, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I locked my doors March 1st. And um, like I said, at that time, I didn't know you could go for a variance. And then I got a, uh, you know, a correction notice from the city saying, you know, you're going against the laws. You can file for right. a variance. So at that time, I filed for a variance. And that started this whole process it's funny how they they responded so promptly and uh directly to you locking your doors with the (laughs) the complaint right i mean that was that was worth their attention but all the vagrancy and damage to your property wasn't that's right absolutely correct yep so talk a little bit about because this this started the the attempt to get a variance began a process that from what I've heard from our mutual friend Mike Franklin uh, yeah. in, involved a number of ongoing meetings, uh, public yeah. and otherwise, and, and culminated in a recent ruling by the city council. So bring right. us up to date on where things are with this. Um, well, we uh, went first went to the Skyway Variance Committee, and uh, they denied me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so then you you can either go to the city council with their approval or denial. So I had to go with their denial give an approval, then, you know, you're much more likely to get what you're asking for from the city council. Unfortunately, I was denied, but I'm still going to go to the city council and see what I can do because I'm, I'm not going to give up. Right. So I, I went to the city council and, uh, the first time I was, um, I thought it was just, it was going to be one and done, but that's just not the case. So then they wanted to investigate a little bit more. So they said, come back in two weeks or three weeks. And mm. so, then, you know, let's see what we can do to figure out what, how we can solve the problem. So they send a bunch of people from the city, you know, the deputy mayor and the director, deputy director of the DSI, and all these people come down to the building trying to find the solution that I've already found. Yeah, right. Lock uh, the door. <laughs> to keep my building safe. Right. Uh, I don't, I don't you know. And then they want to have another follow-up meeting after that. It's like, yeah. this is all the city does. Is we're going to have committees. And yes, meetings. right. How about some yeah. action? Yep. We need some action. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I just couldn't even believe it. It was... Anyway, then they kind of, uh, after that, they put the burden on me right. to provide proof of my security logs and right. what numbers I've right. called 911 or, you know, or what numbers I've called from my phone mm-hmm. to all the different various police departments. And Sounds like you know, the runaround to me. Uh, how about a witch hunt? Is yeah. More like it. Yeah. So that's exactly, I, I was advised not to uh, provide that information to the city because I am in compliance at this time with all of the um the Skyway security um, ordinances, so, you know, it says you have to have cameras that are monitored 24 hours a day. It's right. nothing in there about having... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A live person. I do hire a live person during the winter hours just because it's um, it's obviously a, a, a big problem during the fall and the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, but even having, I mean, I can't afford yeah. full-time security. I'm a 30,000 square foot building. Right. So I, you know, I hire a part-time guy, which he just comes through hourly. Well, and here's the thing, you know, I I spent a fair amount of time working in uh, private security myself, and I I can tell you firsthand, having a guy there is great and all, but all he's going to do is exactly what you've been doing. 
Oh, there's okay. a vagrant. I better call the cops. Like he doesn't have power above and beyond any other normal human being. You're not hiring a superhero. Like he's that, he's right. going to have to call the cops just like you. And if they're not responding, then your problem hasn't been solved. That's that's absolutely right. Yes. Uh, when we come back, can you stay for another segment? Sure. Okay. Yeah. When we when we come back, I want to get into the the latest vote by the St. Paul City Council in regards to this and some of the reaction, uh, particularly from uh, one. Mr. Robert Humphrey regarding your, uh, shall we say, civil disobedience on this matter. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, closing argument. My name is Walter Hudson, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. I've talked on the program before about the essential difference between active tyranny and passive tyranny. And I really do believe, I maintain that passive tyranny is far more common than the active variety, at least here in the United States of America, because, you know, we enjoy the the trappings of a fair amount of liberty. But the, what tyranny does exist often takes the passive form. And by that, I mean government not doing its job, <laughs> government not doing the one thing that's supposed to do, which is to protect individual rights uh, and selectively deciding how and where it's going to enforce the rules in order to make some sort of social or political point. And an example of that comes to us in the form of our guest, Janae Brooks, who joins us on the line. Welcome back to the program, Janae. Hi. This is Closing Argument. My name is Walter Hudson, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, com. your iHeartRadio app, two ways to stream the programming, catch up with the podcasts at Spreaker.com and your Spreaker app. So I want to I want to take people through this article from late last week that kind of brings us up to the minute in terms of what's going on. And I I want to ask if anything's happened since this. Uh, but let, let's just start with reviewing it here real quick. So it reads St. Paul. This is from the Pioneer Press. St. Paul building manager Janae Brooks pledged earlier this week to continue closing the Skyway connection of the railroader printing building off Mears Peak at 8 p.m. to keep vagrants away. City ordinances require the Skyway remain open until at least 2 a.m. The decision defies the will of the St. Paul City Council, which voted 4-3 to Wednesday against her request for a variance from the city's Skyway regulations. Robert Humphrey, a spokesperson for the St. Paul Department of Safety and Inspections, known as DSI, said Thursday that the city can and might charge her with a criminal misdemeanor if inspectors discover the Skyway connection closed before 2 a.m. And this is what Humphrey had to say. I, th I find this quote absolutely stunning. DSI has an obligation to enforce the law in this matter. It seems that Ms. Brooks, by locking the Skyways early, is actually jailing people with disabilities by depriving them of their freedom to move through the Skyway system and access their homes and lower town businesses. I did not realize you had taken on a second career as a warden. <laughs> Me neither. This has become a second job for me. It's uh, honestly so ridiculous. I just I can't even believe that it's it's gotten this crazy over over a door being locked. Well, I mean, how how do you respond to the content of what Humphrey's saying here? First of all, the notion that DSI, this city agency of safe, this Department of Safety and Inspections, has an obligation to enforce the law here in regards to the 2 a.m. ordinance, and also the notion that you're somehow depriving people of their rights by locking your doors at 8 p.m.? 
Well, first of all, I am, um, because because I close the Skyway at 8, I do have a, a keypad on the doors. So anybody who lives beyond, there's one building beyond ours that is a uh, residential loft. So I put in a keypad so that they, I would never have closed the doors if they didn't agree, if they were not in total agreement with me because mm-hmm. they weren't walking through. So now they have a keypad and I've offered to give it to anybody who lives downtown, works downtown, wants to, you know what I mean? Right. Anybody who wants to is, I'm not, I'm not trying to keep it from anybody or keep the door locked or keep anybody out, including the handicapped people. But honestly, the handicapped people are more vulnerable than right. Us people walking around, I mean, who can defend ourselves? Right. I'm trying to protect them as well, which yeah. is what everybody just kind of seems to not see. So I have, um, um, I'm getting, I uh, got a notice from the, uh, actually I had a surprise, you were asking what, what they're doing or, you know, what's happened since. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten anything in writing, but so far I've had uh, a fire inspection, a reinspection. An elevator inspection. <laughs> All uh, the inspections are due suddenly, huh? Oh, oh it's not even <laughs> They're just like doing this and then they're, you know, saying, oh, you have to clean the stairwell. Oh, right. what is this? This this was a common space on a plant. Oh, this uh-huh. is going to be a problem. Your garbage room is going to be uh-huh. a problem. We're yep. going to have to do something mm-hmm. about that. I'm like, wow, oh, really? Uh, not even a week after my, you know, <laughs> right. hearing? Yeah. I see how it goes. I see yep. how you're going to play. Oh, absolutely. You know, thing is, I'm not trying to play that way. Yeah. I'm trying to keep my, I'm trying to keep people safe. Right. Since I locked my doors, there has not been one police call to our building, to the River Park Lofts on the other side, uh-huh. to Park Square Court on my other side, or to Mears Park Place, a apartment building. Four buildings have not had one call to the police since I locked my doors. Right. <laughs> they left. They don't. They don't. It's. They don't have. I'm at the end of the Skyway. Mm-hmm. There's no. I mean, it's. They know it's not monitored. I mean, mm-hmm. other than having, you know, in the wintertime, we have somebody that comes through every hour, but it doesn't even matter. I mean, how long does it take to commit a crime? 20 seconds? Right, right. So yeah, anyway, I, then. I am not, uh, I'm not a lawyer by any stretch of the imagination. I don't even play one on TV. However, it, it strikes me that it, it would be at least interesting to try to to frame this and you know obviously you know you you have your own representation who probably advises you much better than I could but it, it would be interesting to be a little bit more aggressive on this and basically sue the city for a violation of your civil rights because the thing that I find interesting here is you know for Humphrey to say that the DSI the Department of Safety and Inspections has a quote obligation to enforce the law in this matter well where's the city's obligation to enforce the law in literally every other matter because and how about yeah how about even coming to to what about all the people who are committing crimes in my building right they're clearly not doing anything about that to which the answer is well you just have to deal with it it's it's right it's my responsibility for to add security it's my responsibility to keep clean it's my responsibility to you know, uh, you know, I put $10,000 in the past few months before I locked the doors. And finally, I said, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Right. I can't. I can't replace any more carpet or glass doors or locks or cleaning or anything. You know, it's just, it was crazy. The thing is, the city, um, when we have a Skyway agreement um, that was made way back when the Skyway was built. Our hours of operation were 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. Saturday and Sunday, they were closed. It says right in the agreement that we can... Uh, that the city has the right to change the hours, but both parties have to be in agreement. Mm-hmm. Okay, we were never in agreement, and I'm sure half of the city was not in agreement or even read their Skyway documents. Right. So they expect us. They added what eight hours onto our day, and it's all at night night hours. So if it's from six p.m. until two a.m., and they want us, 
then to take on all of that. You know, our sky rate, they, we should be compensated for having, it's like yeah. over 6,000, 8,000 hours a year that, yep. they, that they just put on us right. with no compensation. Right. That's yeah, it's, stand. That, that's, that's the thing that strikes me as a couple of points here. One, early on in your, your uh, retelling of your situation, you noted that some of your tenants had uh, made the decision or at least were considering the decision to both yeah. leave the building and also leave St. Paul. St. Paul, yeah. It's, it seems to me, bizarrely, that vagrants who may or may not be re- actual residents of the city have a higher constituent yeah. status Isn't that crazy? at the city council than people who actually pay taxes and live and work in St. Paul do. I, yep, I totally agree. Which I, is I, absolutely stunning to me. Mind blowing, mind blowing. And then, and then the the other side of it is is that if you're the, the the thing about this story that just drives me absolutely nuts is there are two premises the the city of St. Paul is trying to both eat their cake and have it too. They're operating under two completely opposing premises. One is that the skyway inside your building is a quote unquote public space and therefore ought to be governed by public policy and and have access according to their rules and their the, the time that they set. Mm-hmm. On the other hand. They're operating under the premise that, hey, it's your building, it's private property, so anything that, any damage, any security yeah. concerns, that's your problem. You have to deal with right. it. Well, Suck it up. Either yep. one, one of those, both those things can't be true at the same time. Either it's a public <laughs> space or it's a private space. And if it's a public space, then as you say, it is 100% their responsibility to both indemnify you for any damage that results for leaving it open at their behest and also right. to respond to legitimate security concerns. That's correct too. Yes. It, it's you want to just... be my lawyer. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I haven't passed the bar, but I'm uh, telling you, I, 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 uh, you probably don't know this, but I serve on a city council myself in a smaller town that would never be involved in this kind of a situation. Because here's the difference between us and St. Paul: we don't have the staff, right? Like we don't have. We're we're a small town, therefore we can't afford to send revenge inspections to people who have the audacity to object to whatever ordinance or decision that we make, nor would we if we could. Um, But that's number one. But number two, from my experience there, my suggestion, in all honesty, would be to, with the consultation of your lawyer, come up with some way to be more aggressive and actually try to take some ground at this. Because if they're coming after you with, with frankly, BS inspections meant to basically retaliate against you for having the audacity to protect your own property, that is not going to stop until you become a greater threat to them than they are to you. That's And that's what I'm going, I'm working on right now. All right. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Got to do something. But first of all, I am, I just want to say one more thing. I am, I am um, creating a, ADA accessible access on the main floor so that that will not be an sure. issue. Well, that's, so that's, I, uh, I'm putting a lift in. So I just, yeah, that's good. That's commendable. And anytime you want to give us an update, you're more than welcome to come on the show. Appreciate you joining us. Janae Brooks from, uh, the, the name of your building is the railroad or printing, printing building, railroad yeah. printing building in St. Paul. Appreciate you joining us. We'll have you on again sometime. Appreciate Take care. It. Thank you. Yep. This is Closing Argument. My name is Walter Hudson. Your reaction, 651-989-5855. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 1035 FM, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com.
It would be hilarious if it wasn't such a serious violation of Janae Brooks' individual rights. You know, this the the comedy on display of her perceiving a problem involving the building which she manages, a security problem, a vagrancy problem, a vandalism problem, and coming up with the novel and simple solution of locking the door. Locking the door and thus solving all of it. And yet the government's response at the local level at the city of St. Paul, their response is, no, you can't do that. And then in an effort to to discuss further potential solutions, they, they, they engage in committee processes. Well, what can we possibly do? You know, what interests must intersect and how must they be balanced? And what kind of plan can we come up with that will be suitable to all parties involved? Well, she already came up with a plan. It's locking the door. And then also the audacity of telling her, well, it's your responsibility to ensure the security of your building. Well, I did that. I locked the door. Like, again, you can't have it both ways. You can't, on the one hand, say this is a public space, so you have to do with it as we will, not you will, but we will. And then at the same time say, well, it's totally your responsibility to make sure that everything's maintained and safe. At least that is if we want to have a moral society. Closing argument. My name is Walter Hudson. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, 651-989-5855. The number for your live and local reaction. Let's go to Sue in St. Paul. Welcome to the program. Yeah, they must have um, made a special point of checking up on her, too, because I can't even imagine that anybody would have complained about that. I can't imagine right. that anybody was walking through that skyway right. with all that going on. You know. Yeah. Well, and that's just it. Is that you know when I when I was comparing and contrasting her experience in St. Paul with the types of things that take place in the small community um, where I serve on the city council, things don't move where I'm at without a complaint. And that's not just because that's how it properly ought to work. It is how it properly ought to work. But it's also because we don't have people staffed up. We can't afford to employ people that would go around with, with an agenda to try to harass people for violations of ordinance and what have you. These types of things properly should respond from complaint. And the idea that suddenly you know, they're, they're getting complaints about the fire code and complaints about you know, the, the the size of her furnace room and this, that, and the other thing. Nobody's making those complaints. That's the city engaged in revenge, yep. which is pretty reprehensible. Appreciate your call, Sue. Thanks. All right. Let's, uh, in our in our final few minutes this hour, revisit once again the Geronimo Yanez case and the shooting death of Philando Castile. We do have some news from that, the the fallout in that case from the Star Tribune. Philando Castile's family has reached a nearly $3 million settlement with the city of St. Anthony for his death at the hands of one of its police officers. The city does not admit any liability in Castile's death last year, but the settlement likely speaks to the city's fears about its chances at trial, said Andrew Noel, an attorney for Castile's mother, Valerie Castile. Noel said the substance or this, the substantial amount of money among the highest settlement amounts in Minnesota for such cases likely nods toward the risk St. Anthony saw in going through in a civil trial. It's, it's an actions speak louder than words kind of thing, he said. The settlement was reached without the filing of a lawsuit in federal or state court and comes a little over a week after Officer Geronimo Yanez was acquitted of manslaughter and reckless discharge of a firearm for fatally shooting Castile during a July 6th traffic stop. While a Ramsey County jury acquitted Yanez, the law 
allows the family to seek civil recourse. After the verdict, the city announced it would offer Yanez a voluntary separation agreement to help him transition to another career other than being a St. Anthony officer. Anthony's, I, I just love the way they worded that. It's, it's such a euphemism. Attorneys for Valerie Castile and the city of St. Anthony issued a joint statement Monday morning announcing the $2.995 million settlement. The parties moved expeditiously to resolve potential civil claims resulting from this tragedy in order to allow the process of healing to move forward for the Castile family, for the people of St. Anthony, and for all those impacted by the death of Philando Castile throughout the United States, the statement said. The settlement will be paid by, and this is the key point here, and it's buried about, what, I don't know, six, seven paragraphs deep. The settlement will be paid by the Minnesota League of Cities Insurance Trust at no cost to St. Anthony taxpayers, the statement said. City manager Mark Casey did not return a message seeking comment. The settlement amount is the maximum insurance coverage for the city, said Noel and co-counselor Robert Bennett. This, those two paragraphs tell you everything you need to know about this entire story. It's pretty easy to know what happened. All, all this, the, the, the lawyer for Valerie Castile, you know, all his uh, kabuki theater and, and preening and, and posing and, and uh, posturing as if this is some sort of great victory for his client and, and, and a, an implication of guilt on behalf of the city. No, 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 no. This was automatic. This is about as automatic a thing, automatic a process as you could possibly conjure up. The city has, in, as a result of its association with the Minnesota League of Cities, has insurance specifically for this purpose so that they can quickly come to settlements when threatened with a lawsuit. And you'll note it, it's not going to cost anything to St. Anthony taxpayers, right? That's pretty telling, isn't it? This is the easiest possible way for them to make this go away. Of course this was going to happen. This, this is a matter of, of system, systemic uh, dominoes falling into place the way they were designed to fall. It says nothing whatsoever about the merits of anybody in the case, either on the Yanez side or the Castile side of the case. It, there is no implication of uh, liability or guilt on the part of St. Anthony, but they wanted to make it go away, and a settlement is the way to do that. Now, another noteworthy thing about this, if I can find it here, uh, it's not immediately popping out at me, but I recall reading in this article that the one-third of the settlement, which, you know, it's $3 million, so do the math pretty quick, right? $1 million is going to Valerie Castile's lawyer. $1 million. Now, I guarantee you he knew that. He knew that going in. He knew exactly what the the maximum amount of insurance coverage was for the city. He knew that the city was likely to quickly come to a settlement as a result of not wanting to to have this thing move any further past the verdict. He knew that the dominoes were going to fall in the way that they fell. And so this is the quickest, easiest payday that this guy has gotten uh, probably in quite some time. And uh, look... the, the question that I would, I would pose here is the same one we considered when we were talking uh, with uh, our producer, Brad, about his situation and being the recipient of $47, I think it was, in a class action lawsuit uh, with his bank, right? You know, there, there was some class action lawsuit that was settled with his bank and he got a $47 check in the mail. Really? So what that implies is that you had a tort against you. You were harmed 
in the specific amount of $47. Does anybody believe for a second that that's true? That any any one of the members of the class it incurred precisely $47 worth of harm? No, of course not. It's all about the lawyers. The lawyers walk away with a ton of money, and the people that they're supposedly representing, in, in the case of a class action, barely get any. Now, uh, Valerie Castile is presumably going to get quite a bit, and there's some paragraphs in here about the family uh, coming out of the woodwork, trying to get their share of uh, the winnings from the settlement with St. Anthony. None of this is particularly pride-inducing. It's all pretty gross. Closing argument, my name is Walter Hudson, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, 651-989-5855, the number to join us. We'll be back for a second hour, TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.